bringing you episode three of the Wellbeing Coaches podcast. We talk today to Dr. Luke McCabe, health, performance and longevity coach, ex-international rugby player, ex-bodybuilder, and to throw into the mix an ultra marathon athlete. We talk about that a bit later on in the podcast, but well worth a listen to if you're currently a personal trainer or you're just starting out on your fitness journey. Luke, uh, to Wellbeing Podcast, uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. I just want you to kind of introduce yourself, uh, who you are, what you do. Uh, yeah, thanks, Simon. Uh, yeah, really great to be on here, mate. Massive privilege. Uh, so my uh, my original degree a uh, long, long time ago is in chiropractic. Uh, but since then, I've just evolved with education and that. And presently, I'm just doing a, for finishing a fellowship, like a consultancy in precision and genomic medicine. Uh, what I do is, the whole point of what I do is aim for what I call whole human optimization. So uh, I've got a company called the Biohacked Executive. Uh, and then what I do is I take sort of high, high achievers, high end execs, etc., who want to take their, their whole body, sort of mind, body, spirit, life, etc., from one from point A to point B and just create like a version 2.0 of themselves. Uh, and we just do that with six pillars. So basically, fundamentals of immunity, gut health. Uh, sort of sleep, hormones, nutrition, and exercise. Uh, and we just sort of hit all six of those aspects. So it's looking at um, the whole picture as opposed to just kind of uh, only tapping into a few elements you're kind of looking, because you, you, you explained biohacking. Uh, if for people that are listening, what kind of, uh, what was the, why did you call it biohacking? What's the so it's a uh, biohacking. It's it's a sort of um, a f- funny word for. I I like to just say it's a bit more uh, being a bit more bespoke almost. So a little bit more precision rather than sort of uh, a generic sort of approach to health, sort of fitness, nutrition, etc. Uh, and then with regards to some of the biohacking aspects, it's just utilizing some of the more advanced uh, data tracking, more advanced sort of science and innovation that's out there. Because uh, we all know the sort of present time medicine and, you know, all the data, the research is generally about 15 to 20 years outdated. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's just the way it is. It's, it's not a sort of, it's not a put down for that. But uh, by the time it gets accepted into mainstream, uh, it needs to go through so many rigorous sort of, checks and then you know it just basically things evolve way too quickly uh and so we move away from that sort of aspect more towards where the sort of cutting science is uh and touching on that actually because previous podcasts with gareth obviously you know we've known each other for a while but being in the education business you're right is uh they're still learning about the uh, the food pyramids and uh you know um calorie in calorie out uh Best basic basic body weight. Actually, um, I'm gonna. I've made some notes, but because it's a it's a buzzword and it flows me on to the next question. You know, at the moment, since you know, since the pandemic, we've had a big shift in well-being. Um, The word, dare I say it, holistic. uh, It's not my uh, favourite word. 
but um you know it's a where do you think the industry is going that's a big question uh you mean in terms of the fitness industry yeah i still i still think the fitness industry is still entrenched in its own dogmatic views of of uh simplicity in nature yeah. uh there's nothing wrong with that you know to try and explain you know some the simplicity of things uh but the problem is in real life it does not work and it does not equate because the real life is far more complex uh and so the more I f- the look around the more you see these things and you mentioned it before sort of the adult you know the idea of calorie in versus calorie out is, is such a, a simplistic you know idea for mm. such a complex sort of uh solution which everyone's trying to seek uh i always equate it to someone you know if it is as simple as save you know save more spend less then there would be no poverty in the world but it doesn't work that way uh it really really doesn't you know no one no billionaire has got to become a billionaire through saving saving less you know saving less and spending more they know and they understand about inflation they understand about everything else and it's 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 a concept that you can sell to people mm. you know but so people go oh, well that makes total sense but the application really really doesn't work so i, I feel uh, we're still really entrenched in that notion and then on the other hand when people are looking to branch away from that we're still trying to point fingers and throw bricks at you know other ideas that really probably are better rooted in where we should be going okay so touching on that while we're on this if it, let's just say there's a fascinating book actually i've just been listening to it on the on the way up from here but it's called the obesity code i don't know if you've um yeah you've, uh, yeah i read it so many things into perspective um because you know what the calories do for us not only just uh supply our body with energy but you know they're heating it and so forth so it's it's always industry as we know they are so adamant about reducing calories and um, and what my kind of question to you is is what's your first point of call let's just say i know that you go into a lot of science but if you are looking at a basic approach what is the first kind of fundamental steps you work with a client with and how do you start educating them on things like calorie intake and expenditure and so forth so i mean we we still need to realize that the concept of calories in versus calorie out is is by is the the foundation of things yeah but it's the idea of that you know uh well what defines the calories in and what defines we seem to just believe that it's eating the food and then therefore the ex, the expenditure which you're doing uh but if you look at skinny people by nature now uh so we can now know that majority of skinny people who can eat thousands of calories a day and they get blood, you know they say oh someone's metabolism is quick etc etc uh well we know now that looking at the gut biome they have a high proportion of what they call like acromantia and uh, bifidobacteria and basically they can consume a thousand calories but the gut bacteria only absorb about 500 calories mm. and so you know even looking at that so you the, the type of bacteria can define how many calories we're absorbing and how many we're just just getting rid of anyway so uh i do still 
start with the idea of calories in versus calories out because and then i take it from there and just say look it's not as simply simple as what you expect it is but the biggest thing i find with my clients is the reason why i start with the basic of calories in versus calories out is majority of people still struggle with uh shaming themselves if they don't eat 100 all the time mm. And so I find from a mental point of view, if I can say right from the onset, you know, it evolves as you go along. Because it's like math, you know, you start one plus one, you've got to. You can't just go straight to quantum physics. Uh, so we start off with this idea of, of, you know, calories in versus calories out. And then the idea that, you know, even if they have that bag of crisps or something like that, you know, I have so many paid clients and, you know, who give themselves such a hard time uh and they say oh you know i was really terrible you know how how was your week oh, i was terrible i had two packs of crisps and i feel so bad and i was like well you know in the whole grand scheme of the couple of days did it work out and they're like well yeah so i said well why are you attaching such a negative connotation to that uh and so i find a psychological point of view at the beginning is a very important part uh otherwise we bash ourselves mentally for you know, not adhering 100% and all of those. So I find the simple calories in versus calories out is a good way to sort of overcome those hurdles, those obstacles, yeah. if that makes sense. Uh, so I, I think we need to start to walk before we run. So those are what I generally, like, people need to realise that's the fun, the fundamentals of the building block, but then we need to evolve from there if we want long-term sustainability and to be able to keep these things off. It's a great, it's uh, a great answer. Um, you mentioned gut health. Um, it's quite a big, uh, it's quite a big thing at the moment. Um, I wanted to ask you about number one, your your views on gut health, uh, and number two, you know, um, your thoughts on um, starving the body um, over an X period of hours. Whether it's a, a, I've got clients at the moment that uh, have picked up on it and sometimes are starving themselves one day a week um so i just kind of want to ask you first yeah first question gut health what your view is on gut health and uh, secondly um starving the body okay uh well gut health really so i think in the next five or ten years we're going to realize that from a mechanistic point of view optimal health is run obviously by having an immune system that's a, a, a fully functional Yes. And from a me mechanistic point of view, the gut pretty much drives immunity. Uh, and we're also realizing that gut health directly impacts fat cells. Uh, there's a direct communication. They intercommunicate between one another. Uh, when we have leaky gut, the sort of lipos, you know, the, the lipopolysaccharides, you know, they themselves get into the bloodstream and they can affect fat cells. Uh, so in terms of, of, of actual gut health, it will be, I believe, not just for the fitness, but for overall health, it'd be a big drive and fundamental sort of, especially, I think more and more people are really realizing how important immune health is. Mm. Uh, and so sort of when we look at the aspects of gut and the bacteria, not many people know, and I don't quote me on, I can't remember the actual facts or the actual figures, but it's in this ballpark 
when you look at sort of our genetic makeup, like humans, DNA, we have the ability to code for about, I think it's about 30 or 40,000 proteins, which sounds a lot. Mm. Uh, but the average silkworm, I think, is about 55,000 proteins. So in terms of a coding for proteins, we that's how pathetic the human species are. But we are such complex creatures. And the reason why is that we intermingle our DNA with the gut bacteria. Mm. And when we mix them up, we have the ability to, to code for about two and a half million proteins. Uh, and so the same goes with digestive enzymes. So people who struggle, celiac, you know, uh, all these sort of gluten intolerances, lactose, and we try and take foods out and we try and, you know, the usual, let's try and extreme ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, starve, let's try vegan, let's try carnivore. We try and extreme ourselves to a solution. Uh, the biggest reason there is that Again, from a digestive enzyme point of view, the human genome only can code, I think it's about a couple of hundred digestive enzymes. Whereas then when we have the right hyperbacteria in our gut, we can dig- we can, we've got access to about 5,000 or 8,000. And so with regards to starving ourselves, so you mean for a day, like fasting for a day? Yeah, so fasting is a... Is a, is a- it's an interesting subject because I was um, directly quoting, but with a, you know, a client question is that they uh, lead quite a stressful job, um, yes. you know, uh, working late in the evenings and so on. And, you know, uh, training them, they said, well, actually, this is my day. Let's say Wednesday, I'm not going to eat for the entire day. Um, you know, I have a lot of background with a thought process that goes on we're actually thinking this person's quite highly stressed lack of sleep um the stress being itself and then throwing themselves into a super busy you know 11 12 hour day with starving themselves you know uh what's your thoughts on that so generally when a lot of patients and clients come to me and they have these sort of ideas and it goes for supplements exercise basically everything uh, the first fundamental thing I always ask them, I say, what is it you actually want to achieve by doing that? Mm. What, like, what, 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 you know, what is it you, what is the idea behind this? And then number two, is there an easier and more efficient, less stressful way of achieving that same goal than the proposed idea that you're wanting to do? Yeah. Uh, and, that, and that goes the same for exercise, supplements or anything. Uh, and so, but Moving away from that sort of question, uh, again, may, we need to be able to split things up into male and female because uh, when you look at sort of females and fasting and all of that, there's hardly any data. Pretty much most of the science is all done in men. So women don't really know that. Uh, when you look at, you know, fasting, hit training, everything and anything scientific-based is always based on men or postmenopausal women because women scientists are in inverted commas a little bit lazy mm. uh, and they don't want to do the hard graft when women throughout their menstrual cycle gets too complex yeah. so uh, i'm not really a massive fan for fasting when it comes for women uh, and the reason why is the majority of women come and see me are well actually from a statistic point of view 81 percent of the world's women have hormonal issues somewhere along the line and so when you've got their hormone in such imbalance or unhappiness, then fasting just pushes it a bit more further over the edge. 
but in alluding to what your client and person is, uh, you know, men, it is a little bit more tolerant, but I mean, facts there's if they're already depleted from a nervous system point of view, they lack in focus, lack in sleep, etc. then exactly that. You're going to put your, your body into more of a fight or flight sort of situation. Uh, you know, I mean, I even have some of my clients actually, contrary to popular belief, eat carbs just before bedtime just to help them sleep, especially mm. if they stress. You know, uh, the idea of not you know, not a big carb meal, but, you know, a uh, bit of honey, bit of sort of porridge, et cetera, et cetera. And you just sort of get that sort of post-carb release, make some sleepy, and they get a really, really sound sort of uh, good night's sleep. So uh, I think overall it depends what their overall outcome is. And I think if you dig deep, you'll be able to break apart what they think they they believe it's going to do for them and come up with a better solution. Yeah, that's a good thing. And, and I think flipping this to, to personal trainers, I mean, as we've just talked about, the industry uh, qualifications is is far behind. Uh, Gareth and I talked about this. In a sense, as soon as a PT qualifies, they probably last about an, a year in the industry before they leave. Um, you know, the information out there, we, we can't retain everything. We're guides as PTs necessarily because the internet has more information than us. Um, so you do find now lots of clients are now suddenly coming to you with so many different well-being trends and ideas. Should I fast? Should I do this? Should I eat more protein? Should I eat carbohydrates? Where do you think for personal trainers, they, I mean, in your own views, should be heading when they're cl- training clients? That's quite a big question, but where, where would you like to see it? Uh, the realisation that our degree our qualifications literally just a piece of paper uh and so you know the idea of continual development and learning is probably the best thing uh it is a it's a massively tough industry i think uh me personally i think if i was put into that industry i would as a pt i would look to actually niche myself so I would look to not generalize into things. I would look to, you know, only, I don't know, train women between the ages of 30 and 45 who are mums and all the other sort of, and basically you just, you, you, you get to know a niche a lot more. Yeah. Uh, and you, 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 what you do then is, and you ignore everyone else. You, you, you just do. And just do and learn everything with regards to that sort of niche. You know, what, what sort of stress levels they have, you know, what they're looking to achieve, what the average mum wants to do and all that. And really sort of start to investigate, start to get a good knowledge base on that, because you can always broaden from that. But I think some of the biggest things is everyone wants everything and it's very, very difficult because it's such a wide pond. Uh, and then it's hard to add value. Yeah. You know, it's really, really hard to add value because... I can't remember who I was a podcast the other day. Was, I was listening to it on sales and this guy was saying, uh, you know, if, if I was to offer a, uh, let's say, a, okay, let's, let's use fitness. If I was to offer a basic uh, fitness and nutrition program, you know, you wouldn't be able to sell it more than online, like literally, I don't know, $27. I don't know, sunny like a like like that, you know, just six weeks. And then he said, look, if you were to uh, offer it as a video thing, then you can do it at 97. But then if you 
had to say, look, this is for men between the ages of 30 and 55 who have hormone problems. All of a sudden, someone's going, hang on a minute, that's me. Now, you could probably sell that for 9997 You know, but if you then took that person and said, look, you work in sales, uh, you know, you sell cars, you work in sales, your average salary is around about 35000 you love to wear blue light blocking glasses at night, and you've got a dog called Ralph, you've got 10 people in the world are going, holy crap, that's me. And yeah. you literally then could sell that for about three, three $5,000 because you're speaking exactly to that person. Yeah. Uh, and all of a sudden, there's such a resonance there. And so if it was me, that's where I'd be looking into because you offer far more value for the, the client you, 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 you're serving, if that makes sense. Great. I like that. Yeah, that's, um, that's a really good point. Tracking. Uh, I notice on your uh, finger there, you're wearing a fitness tracking device. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> we talked about just a second ago about calories. Track, you know, uh, start with calorie in, calorie out. Um, obviously, there is a slope depending on someone's full state of uh, well-being. I know you look at six pillars, but if someone is quite highly stressed and strung, sometimes tracking can be two ends of the spectrum, can't it? It can be a good thing, and then it can also throw them the other way. Um, what would you recommend, firstly, um, for like tracking um, for people? Do you track, for example, do you get people to track calories at the moment when you're working with them? Do you get them to note down what they're eating? Uh, you know, um, I... I uh... I, I try and make it as simple as possible for them yeah. uh, as streamlined, but I do right at the beginning, like I said, I do get them just to track what they're eating so they can have an overall ballpark figure of what they're putting into their mouth. Yeah. Uh, but I do it not from, I try and explain to them, look, I do this not from the idea that I want to, uh, again, it's that psychological behavioral sort of punishment which we, we we set upon ourselves so i do it the way i explain it is i say this will give you an empowerment so what i mean by that is look if you decide that tomorrow night you're going to have three or four beers then from an empowerment point of view because you have the idea you've been tracking certain things then you literally could wake up on a saturday morning fast till lunchtime have a steak and salad lunch and then just be back on track again. Hmm. So I, I look at it from an, I, th I think it's how you deliver it. So the idea is not so I can keep an eye on them. The idea is so we can create an, um, uh, a place of empowerment rather than a place of disempowerment. Yeah, I, I, uh, very much but, on the same wavelength with that. Yeah. Um, and it's the same with sleep, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I know people can, and we need to sometimes be careful that uh, we take something that can be so powerful and then sort of generalize it by saying people can become obsessed with it, you know, because the percentage of population will be really become obsessed with it is such a small percentage, but it's a really, really easy way for someone just to say, Oh, well, don't become obsessed, you know, whereas in most 99% of the time, it's just a powerful tool. Mm. Uh, and I think as a coach, 
you can identify those who become obsessed and therefore it's your job to actually help them with that. You know, I've got one or two clients before who have been obsessed with their weight and you just have to call them out. You know, you just, and, but you, you say, look, this is the reason why we focus on so many other things because we know weight is not a good indicator of where we need to be going. Mm. And so, yes, people can become obsessed, but we need to be careful not to say, oh, well, let's not do that because, you know, one in a million person may do that. Well, then if that's the case, then it's your job as a coach to guide them and come up with ways to, you know, maneuver them in and around these sort of things. Otherwise we miss out on such, like I said, such empowering ways of, of, of helping people. And I think you're right. I've, I've had that experience with clients and you, that's where being a PT, you have to over time be, be a people person. Don't you have to adapt to their personality to understand them? Because if you don't have that ability, um, you know, uh, well, you're in the wrong industry in, in essence, because we are personal people. Um, but body composition analysis, you know, that's another way of tracking. But I, I've seen people in the past, you know, that I've either worked with and you're right, is just that empowerment. We use it as a tool, but, you know, we're not using that word obsessed, but you can then start to direct them. And it's more about the small wins for them rather than having digital printouts to compare all the time. Actually, just go, you're doing really well with that. Necessarily, you probably don't need to track that any longer, you know, Um but it is, is, like you said, they're all good tools. Um, coming back to that question, is there anything you recommend for, you know, up and coming or, or technology out there for people to help them? Uh, I do. I, as we move on, I think everyone should be tracking their sleep. Uh, sleep such a fundamental part with regards to, and again, when we look at this, um, Again, we'll go back to the calories in versus calories out, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, if your sleep's not good, then your hormones aren't good. So it makes no difference. Like it really, really, really doesn't, you know. So uh, and we've moved away from the idea that, oh, I sleep eight hours a night, so therefore everything's perfect. Well, no, we don't know whether that's deep sleep, REM sleep. We don't know, you know, light sleep. We don't know any of these aspects. And I think... The exciting part is, is we can really start to quantify a lot of data and it's really easy. Like you literally within 30 seconds, you can just see that. And, uh, it, you know, it, it doesn't take us long. It's really easy to understand. Uh, and then when things aren't going so well, we feel a little bit under par, et cetera, then we can just look at the data and just make slight, slight adjustments. Uh, you know, whether it's to have an earlier night, whether it's to take a specific supplement, to increase, you know, either deep sleep or REM sleep or, you know, whether we need to adjust diet or maybe someone's overtraining. Mm. And I think, is there, sorry, is there a particular tool you're using to track? So I, I, I use the aura, I use the aura ring. Okay. Uh, now, I'm, yeah, so I'm a big fan. I mean, I, when Whoop first came out, I was offered Whoop many, many, it was far long, long, long time ago to use it. Uh, and it's just a personal preference. I didn't get on with that. It's just a pain in the ass. Uh, I think majority of watches now track sleep. So your Fitbits, your Garmin's, etc. cetera. Uh, so people don't have to spend large. Mm. Because the idea is it's the same as if you go to body composition. 
you know, all these measurements, et cetera, uh, do they have to be accurate? Not really, because if we can just find trends, then that's great. You know, we're not looking for massive specifics. Now, if you really want to dive deep, then I'd suggest something like an aura, uh, an aura ring, mm. uh, but it's not fundamental for people. You know, I, I believe we should uh, utilize things that are, you know, because it's quite expensive, the aura ring too, uh, you know, utilize things that are more attainable mm. uh, and then just use things as more trend tracking, not necessarily with regards to absolute data. Yeah. And I think actually coming back to sleep, it's that sleep hygiene um, posted the other day, but it's talking about your routine before you go to bed, what you're doing, you know, how many people, like we've talked about this before, haven't we? Where your yeah. phone should be, you know, it should be plugged in next to your head or further away from you. So you're not going to use that as your, as your go to bed before scrolling Instagram, Facebook, liking things and so forth. That, that <laughs> How much does that put your uh, head into a, you know, uh, not rested, uh, rested sleep, you know, um, I think it's quite important. Dark, dark rooms. We've talked about this, you know, eye masks and so on. Uh, I've got a fairly living yep. in a town, you know, it's quite, it's quite lit up. So um, without having uh, darkened blinds, eye masks and so on are quite good as well, aren't they? Yep. Uh, cold environment as well. Uh, you know, scents are very, very good. Uh, one of the biggest things a lot of people don't realize is uh, your sleep routine actually starts first thing in the morning, you know, when you wake up, uh, you know, consistently waking up at the same time, getting some sunshine, you know, sun exposure first thing in the morning basically sets the whole hormones hormones for the full day. So uh, I would argue, you know, this, your sleep routine would definitely start first thing in the morning upon waking up. Yeah. Um, I think that's also a really good takeaway. Um, I just wanted to touch in, what's your thoughts on people um, going off and there's lots of nutritionists on that go off and do some testing, things like, um, you know, what, for example, bloods or stalls and so forth. Um, is that something you work with laboratories to send off with your clients? Do you send off to get specific results for people? Yeah, I do. So I, um, yeah, I do. I mean, I, I'm a practitioner of quite a few of the sort of uh, online places like Medicheck, Thrive, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, I do run bloods for a lot of my clients. Uh, we do a lot of genetic testing as well. Uh, so we look at sort of epigenetics uh, and sort of methylations and all those sort of things as well. Again, it just allows us to become a little bit more specific, a little bit more tailored for the individual uh again i think as this moves more and more forward we get and we get more and more data it will be where the future is led into uh but i still think we need to realize that we still need to nail the basics before we start to do all of that as as well like i mean i'm a massive massive fan of sort of biochemical testing uh all of these sort of things but we need to still remember that if the basics and the foundations aren't laid down, then it's, it's really, it sounds great. You know, it's a great, you know, a lot of people use sounds, sounds a great sales tool, but uh, you know, if we just, if, if, you know, if we're not nailing down sleep and, you know, fundamentals of life, uh, you know, balance and all the other sort of things, exercise, nutrition and everything else. And it's just a, you know, it's a pointless exercise. 
yeah and I think you're right an example I'm not training any longer but it was quite funny to see someone just, again was loved I'm not gonna use the word obsessed love that BCA machine <laughs> but they also were getting testing they were paying everything had all the gadgets I mean you know, the ring on a watch on <laughs> Fitbit on this arm and uh, pre-workout I'm ready Simon let's go let's go let's go um can we do the machine you know I'm I'm 55 now I'm 42 now I'm 36 and uh <laughs> and I go whoa whoa just slow down are you sleeping no no no, no I'm not sleeping you can tell <laughs> so but so the, <laughs> going back to basics is is um is real real important and Gareth and I talked about this and it is people can just get caught up in so much information and actually sometimes it's just getting moving is is kind of the fundamental and again not overlooking or over analyzing you know sometimes it's just like you said is just start looking at a, a week what are you doing what changes can you make and try and just search out the small wins if you've done something like you said crisps or something bad you can always get back on the path again um so i think that's quite interesting um i I like to get a lot of my clients every day just to do a bit of sort of gratitude uh journaling too you know just because i always ask them you know every week you know what are your three three big wins uh and so but if they sort of reflect every day, even if it's for for a couple of minutes, you know, what am I grateful for, et cetera, it tends to stack up as well. Uh, you know, you tend to get a much, much better sort of mindfulness with that. And uh, no one's then coming back saying, oh, do you know, I really don't know, because there's been quite a good bit of re- re- reflection there. So it only takes a couple of minutes, but I find it, it's a good, it, it turns the dial very, very well. Mm. Um, uh, to touch on you, because you've been, you've put yourself through i just wanted to, your body through some pretty epic challenges haven't you uh yeah. let's just talk about that because yeah all i'm going to say is that i remember seeing you in a gym change room and it almost looked like you were just knocked out chiseled uh, <laughs> and then just briefly touch on kind of the stuff from bodybuilding competitions to what other crazy stuff have you put yourself through so Without scaring I'm, people listening. Uh, <laughs> I'm generally, I'm, I, I'm from young, I've always been a sort of N equals one experimenter. So uh, I always, I like, I love to experiment on myself, you know, where it's anything, basically anything from anything. Because uh, I find then, then I have a better idea of what I can help people and clients and patients with, etc. cetera. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've been very fortunate to have played sort of rugby, international rugby. I've played overseas and everywhere else. So when that sort of came to the end, uh, I was playing some sevens and I was getting fit for a sevens tournament. And I said to a coach, because I've always got coaches. So, uh, you know, whatever endeavour I'm going in to, I'm always finding a coach. It's just find someone who's done something, who's way ahead of you in the game and just learn from them i mean it's the fastest way to get from a to b uh and so uh, i i asked her i said i'm getting really lean for rugby so uh i've never done a bodybuilding competition what do you think she's like hell yeah so we gave i think it was about 14 or 15 weeks uh and so she i've known her for a while she's very she's like she's very 
gifted with regards to the bodybuilding aspect. It's not the typical sort of chicken, broccoli and rice and everything else. So she's very, very smart, very, very, yeah. uh, you know, she's up there with the cutting edge stuff. So I was happy to just say, look, you know, I'll put everything into you. I'll just do whatever you tell me. Uh, and so that was an insane journey. Uh, can I just I, add, you just, yeah. you just, your first bodybuilder competition, didn't you just? It was my first one. Yeah, I won. Yeah. So I stepped up. You skipped that part. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Stepped up on stage one, invited to go to the British champions. Uh, I was touted by the judges actually to, to actually take home the British championship. But the next three days I spent in A&E. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it didn't. <laughs> I remember well. <laughs> so uh, that 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 uh, that was a bit of a shame, but uh, yeah, you, you know, you learn a lot of things. Uh, and then once I'd done that for the next year, I was like, right, what do I hate doing? Uh, what's a big something that's I really, really because it's quite easy. I, you know, when I choose things, I say oh, I need to push myself. So I was like, right, I, I hate running. So uh, I was like, right, okay, let me see if I can find a race. And so after it was a friend of mine who convinced me to join it's called the coastal challenge it's a 250k race across the costa rican jungle uh <laughs> most, most people listen to this go oh i'm just gonna do a marathon <laughs> <laughs> and so and so uh she's like yeah let's do this i was like oh amazing so we signed up and then a week later she bowed out and i was like oh i'm gonna do it anyway and so i had to find a coach for this and so it pretty much went like this. I got in contact with a lot of people and they were like, because there's, 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 there's almost like a stepping stone. So there's a race, there's a 250K race across the Sahara called the Marathon Disciple. Mm. But generally people do that first before they even do the other one, which I'm doing. So, uh, so I spoke to a couple of coaches and this was a typical conversation like, oh, wow congratulations you got in i was like yeah 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 really excited uh because it's only like 140 people and most of them are professionals and they're like oh amazing so how many multi-stage races have you run and i was like uh, none i'm like uh okay uh how many hundred milers have you run i was like none i'm like uh iron man i was like no like marathon i was like no i was like i've not even done a 10k race and <laughs> And uh, they were like, oh, oh, uh, all right, well, okay, well, if we plan for in a year's time, I was like, well, we've got 12 weeks, that's it. And so majority of people just <laughs> kind of put the phone down or like, they were like, no chance. And then I was very fortuitous. There's a guy called Alex Viada, who is an amazing high-end coach uh, who's coined the term hybrid athlete. So if you go check out uh, Alex, like he is at the pinnacle. Uh, and so uh, it's very fortuitous. He on Instagram just randomly said, I've got a, for the first time in like nine months, got a place as a, for coach, for, for client. And I was like, oh my God. So I messaged him and I explained it. And he was like, mate, you're fat shit crazy, but I love it. He said, I, I love it. Uh, he said, I can't guarantee anything, but I'll move heaven and earth. And so that's how it started. And so it was 12 weeks of hell. Uh, the race itself was hell. And I think only about, I think about half the people finished. As crazy as it sounds, I think I finished like 
14th or 15th out of the men, but I think that's only because most of them just didn't finish. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was one of the the nuts things. Not anything else coming up that's a bit crazy? Uh, they've got oh. a similar sort of race on Everest. It's called the Everest Trail. So yeah. that probably I will see maybe in December. <laughs> we'll need to do it again, interview, uh, <laughs> see how you're getting on. Um, to, to, to close up, uh, I just wanted to kind of give some people some some takeaways. And I mean, it's, it's a huge subject, but what's your kind of, I know using your six pillars, what would you give people um, as, as takeaways, whether it's weight loss or coming into this industry? Um, you know, what's your kind of first points of takeaways so people are listening um, can, can get from the podcast? Yeah, I mean, uh, just be, I think if you're first coming into this industry, just just be be coachable. Be, you know, even though you're going to be a coach, be coachable yourself. Be sort of pliable. Absorb, listen to podcasts. Don't take things f- for face value and just ask questions. I think if you if you can be inquisitive and ask enough questions, but ask the right questions, then you get the correct answers. Uh, I think so many people ask such poor questions and it's not just is in all facets uh, and just sort of, yeah, just, just don't be afraid to reach out to loads and loads of different people and just get loads of different opinions. And then just, like I said, niche into where you find a bit of passion. Yeah. Uh, with regards to health and wellness, uh, realize that unfortunately where we are, it's very boring to say you have to just have, you know, exercise, nutrition and all that. No one wants to do the boring things, but unfortunately they, the things that work, but it's consistency that actually gets there. Uh, But in order to sell people in this world, we are now, that's why all these shiny coins happen. So I think there's nothing wrong with shiny coins, but realize you still got to knock the fundamentals out first and so like i said if you're not sleeping well if you're not looking after your own sort of life balance uh if you're not looking after your own nutrition and exercise then the shiny coin and there's nothing wrong with shiny coins i love shiny coins uh you know it's those shiny coins aren't going to serve you great two books two podcasts what would you recommend what you're reading Oh, at this present oh, time. <laughs> uh, Apart from Harry you. Potter on the bookshelf. Harry Potter rocks, mate. First <laughs> edition. So uh, mine's, a little bit, mine's a little bit eclectic. So I am reading Expert Secrets by Russell Branson. Okay. I'll put links to that. Yeah. Yeah. Also just listening to Life Force by Tony Robbins. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm a big proponent of of him because he is, again, at the forefront of health, again, biohacking, etc. Podcasts. So do not ask a really good question. This podcast, of course, mate, this is going to go top of my list naturally. Uh, (laughs) My podcast actually are ones called We Study Billionaires. Nice. Okay. I've not heard of that. Yeah, I love that. And then uh, Alex Hormozy, the game. Yes. Okay. Great. 
Those are good. I'll put reference to them. I'm always well, up the for third that. One, the third one is the Fitness Coach Freedom Podcast. Perfect. It's always helpful. And, uh, you know, uh, as this podcast goes, this is the plan, is to get community people together, talking, get different experts on. Uh, we don't, well, I especially don't know everything. So it's great to have um, you on board. Um, and thanks for your for your time. My, 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 my pleasure. Anytime, mate. You, you know that.